Thank you guys so much for being here. You notice anything different? Everything. Everything. We knocked some walls down this week. It's been awesome. Uh, obviously, this is finished product over here. That's what it's going to look like. That's the style we're going for. Um, it's modern or something like that. So, no, but uh, we're right, right in the middle of it this week. And uh, this past week, this coming week, are going to be the two biggest weeks of construction. So um, it's super exciting. I'm loving it every day coming in here and seeing something new. It's just um, it's an awesome thing. But, I, again, I just every week we just want to thank you guys for being patient. We know um, it's hard to use the bathroom with no bathrooms. Um, we, we understand that. Uh, thank you for being patient with that and uh, just with the construction and, um, and with the dust that's on the back of your clothes that you don't know about until you go home, but it's there. Um, so we're going to clean these chairs next week, not this week, next week. Thank you for pre-cleaning them with your clothes today. Um, it's going to be a good thing. But when we, when we get this thing done, it's just going to be, it's going to be an awesome, awesome thing. And uh, we're excited about it. We're moving forward with it. So thank you for being patient with us. We're, this is our second message in our new series called Unlimited. Um, this, is just, uh, I, this has just been an awesome series for me. I feel like I say this every time, but I love, I mean, obviously I'm preaching this, so I love it. You know what I mean? I, I, but it's just been huge for my life over the last few months. As I've just been, um, you know, putting some of these things into my life. So I, my prayer is that it will, it will open up a new uh, and deeper, unique relationship with Christ. That, that, is, that is one of my goals for this. But this is what we said Last week, we said that, that there is a tension between, a lot of times, between who God says that we're supposed to be um, and who we are day to day, right? As we go through and we read through Scripture and, and, and we read through uh, uh, some of the instructions and we see this kind of the standard, there's a lot of times God says, you know, we're, we have all these promises from God. We have all these instructions from God. We have all this. this and a lot of it's just awesome. I think sometimes we focus on the rules or we focus on stuff like that, but there is just a, a crazy amount of promises and just he promises that we will live with power. Power. He says things like that the, that the church that he will establish, that's you and me, that not even the gates of hell will prevail against us. And so there's just this, there's this amazingness, uh, just unlimitedness thing that God says that we can live. But a lot of times as, as we see that and we look at that, um, that there's a kind of a disconnect between the way that we actually live day to day um, and then this, this way that God says that we can live. And, and we just knew that there's a tension between that. And, and Paul, uh, in Ephesians, he understands that there's this tension. And so he, he kind of lays this out and he says, I just want Want you guys to know up front, he said to all believers, he's writing to the Ephesians, but it's a, it's a, it's a letter, it's a message to all believers. He said, I just want you to know, in, in chapters 3, verse four, 14 through 20, we kind of went through that, we dissected it, and this is what we kind of came up with right here. It says that God is unlimited and empowers us through his spirit so we can experience the love of Christ which makes us complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. I mean, that, that's what 14 through 20 says. That's what we kind of put that in together. And we said, God is unlimited. And out of his unlimited resources, out of his uh, just amazing unlimitedness, all right, he empowers us through his spirit so that we can experience the love of Jesus Christ. And when we experience the love of Jesus Christ, we've been made complete. And being complete means that it's finished, that, that all that needs to be done is done, and that now we possess, in our realm of possession, we possess the fullness of life and the fullness of the power that comes from God. And, and it's just an amazing thing. And it's, it's one of those things where you say that, but then the tension comes in because you, you say that and you say, okay, if that's true, why do I struggle with this? If that's true, why do I feel like this? If that's true, why is this a part of my life? If that's true, and that's the tension. And so Paul says, listen, I, I want you to understand up front, this is what it is. And then he spends the next few chapters trying to erase that tension, trying to teach us how to erase that tension, trying to teach us how that we can on an everyday basis live as if we actually do possess the fullness of life and the power of God. And so he kind of goes through four and five and he talks about some instructions and he talks about the old self and the new self and he kind of, we're putting on, you know, 
we're putting on Christ and we're, we're doing all these awesome things. And he talks about marriage and he talks about evangelism and he talks about, you know, living with power and he talks about all this stuff. But then he comes to the end, near the end of it, in, in, in chapter five. And this is kind of the, the meat scripture. This is kind of the launching point of the series. And, and he makes this statement. He says, so because all of this is true, because everything in this sentence right here, because all of this is true, he says this, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. He says, so listen, because you, uh, out of his unlimited resources, we've experienced this, because this is true, he goes, I want you to live wisely, and the way you live wisely is you make the most of every opportunity. He goes, that's, and that's one thing I said last week, what we love about Paul is Paul always says something and he gives you the answer. He says, he says, you want to live, we want you to live wisely because of this. And the way that you live wisely is you make the most of every opportunity. Wise people see an opportunity in everything. He says, and if you want to learn how to make the most of every opportunity, he says this, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. And this is the key scripture. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the spirit. All right, so he comes in, and we, we said, listen, and I, just want, I said it last week, I'm going to say it again. This is not a sermon or a message or a series on alcohol. It has nothing to do with alcohol. He is using this as a contrast between getting drunk and the Holy Spirit. And to us, it may seem weird, but to them, wine was just kind of a part of life. And so that was just what it was. We didn't want to get lost in that. But he says, listen, in order to get drunk, right, in order to get drunk, you got you to take, take some, this is moonshine. So you got to take, in the analogy, not in real life, this is, you got you to you take the wine and, and you drink a little bit of it. And we kind of used the, the house mom analogy with the five psychopathic kids last week. You remember? You know, he has to watch, she has to watch them all day long. They're burning houses down. They're kidnapping their neighbor's kids. They're chasing animals around. They're, her husband gets home at 6 o'clock. He, he, she locks herself up, and she's like, I just need to relax. So she starts, she starts drinking some wine. So she drinks the wine, and the first one just kind of knocks the edge off. And then the second one, and the third one, and the fourth one, and the fifth one. Eventually, if you keep drinking, you cross that line into drunkenness. And when you cross that line into drunkenness, you're really no longer in control, right? The alcohol is kind of in control of you. You kind of think ways you wouldn't have normally thought, do things you wouldn't normally do, see things a way you wouldn't normally see. Remember what I'm talking about last week is the, the only time we can really dance with no music. You know what I mean? When you just kind of cross that line into that. And so this is the analogy. This is the contrast that Paul is using with this. And he says, listen, that's, the Lord's will is not for you to get uh, so intoxicated with this world that you're thinking like the world and you're acting like the world and you're doing like the world. He says, become so intoxicated, become so filled, become so full of the Spirit of God. Because the same thing happens. Just like when you become, eventually when you cross that line into drunkenness, you're no longer in control of the wine. The wine is in control of you. He says, the same thing's true with the Spirit. If you get to that place to where you're continually filled with the Spirit of God, eventually you're not in control of anything. The Spirit of God is in control of you. You don't have the Spirit as much as the Spirit has you. And then you begin to think differently and act differently and live differently. And this is, and for Paul, he says, this is how you begin to walk in that power. This is how you begin to walk in that effectiveness by continually being filled with the Spirit. And we said this last week. We said, this is the word. Remember when I taught you, we went through a little Greek lesson about uh, imperative, present imperative. We said that this is a verb. It means it's continually moving through. And that's what this word means when it says be filled. It says be being filled. Be being filled. Always being filled. Continually being filled with the Spirit. And so we ended with, we said this. We said that's the million dollar question. How do you live your life in such a way that you are continually being filled, that you are always being filled, that you are be being filled. And that's what I want to talk about today. 
Because there is this idea, and, and, I, and I, sometimes with Christianity uh, in Scripture, we have this, this way of overcomplicating everything. And for me, as I go through, almost nothing I see in Scripture is ever very complicated. We come in with our heart and our mind, and we complicate things a lot of times, but it's not that complicated. You know, and you go through and you read a scripture like this. This is a command. See, that's the thing we talked about last week. This is a command. He says, this is the will of God. All right, the will of God is that you be being filled, that you continually being filled, that you're always being filled. This is a command to always be filled, yet can you fill yourself with the Spirit? No? No, this guy. No? 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 Good? No. No, I don't, no, I don't think so. No, you can't. You're awesome. Thank you for having courage. No. You can't fill yourself with the Spirit of God. God fills you with the Spirit of God. And so let's just, let's just put all of our seminary theological hats on. If God is the only one that can fill you with the Spirit, but yet he says it's in his will that you're always filled with the Spirit, then where do you have to go to continually be filled with the Spirit? God. God. So he says, listen, this is the deal. This is the deal. You have to be connected to the source Always. I've got this little razor, right? People get mad at me sometimes because I don't, I don't like shaving, like straight shaving. And so I'll just let it go for a few days, and then I'll, I'll, I'll trim with the little electric trimmer, and then I'll let it go for a few days, I'll trim with the electric trimmer. And, and I, I feel like a lot of the young people have problems with the, Throughout the last three or four years, some of the older people are always coming up, and they're just like, is it just a part of your generation to not shave? <laughs> and I'm just like, uh, I, don't, you know, I don't know, um, but I don't straight shave every day. No, I, I don't. It's just bothered some people, like a lot, you know. And so I just, I, tr I try to shave it to a piece of these people. And, but one of the things, we got this little electric razor. If you have an electric razor, I just want to, maybe nobody has an electric razor in the entire room. I don't see any Paul Bunyans and like Jack. Okay, raise your hand. There we go. All right, there we go. I don't know, is it me? Yeah. All right, so and if this, maybe this has never happened to you, never happened to you in your whole life, but it happens to me all the time. So on the when you have the electrical razor, electrical razor, the electric razor, and you're doing your thing, when it start, when you, right when you take it off the charger, or right when you, you take it out from being plugged in, and it just works fine, right? You're just doing your thing; it works great. And then as it starts to lose power, as the battery starts to die a little bit, and you have to recharge it, it starts not working. So it kind of starts stopping a little bit. And, I, and again, this may be the only one that has ever happened to me. I just want to—I'm just asking—as you're trimming through and it stops on you or it slows down, have you ever just like ripped part of your face <laughs> off? Again, show of hands, just if I'm the only one. Okay, thank you. Okay, I just want to make sure. All right, because you're just sitting there, you're doing your thing, and the, and the thing is, is it starts slowing down. If you're not paying attention to it starting to lose power, uh, all of a sudden it could, just, it could just stop. You hit a, you know, a thick stubble or something, and it will just like rip your face off, and it just hurts, and you scream, and you cry like a little girl, and it's really embarrassing. And Courtney's like, what's wrong with you? And I'm just like, I, I cut my face off. So here's the thing, is that this electrical razor, just like anything, an electrical drill, I mean, you think, if you, if you, right as you take it off, right as you take it off the source, right as you take it off the thing, it just, it runs perfectly, it runs great, but over time, what happens with anything like that? Anything, any, you use any, ladies, whatever you do that you use, that this, eventually, it dies. I mean, I have no idea. I don't, I don't know. I don't even know how to relate that to you guys. So, to all the men. So like, eventually, all right, it's going to start slowing down. It doesn't just go from full blast to dead, does it? It starts slowing down, and it's slowing down, and it gets weaker, and it starts not working the way that it's supposed to work. And then if you never go back to the source, if you never go back to the connection, eventually it will completely die. 
It will stop working. It will be of, of no use. It's the same idea with God. Right, because Paul introduces this idea, and it's not up here, but he introduces this idea. He says that you can, you, as a believer, as a Christian, you can get so far away from God. You can become so disconnected from God, who is the source. You can become so disconnected that you will actually begin to live your life as if you have forgotten that you've been saved by Jesus Christ. So it's not necessarily that you lose your salvation in Jesus. It just says that you become so disconnected from God that you start to make decisions like you're not saved. And you start to talk like you're not saved. And you start to live like you're not saved. And you start to control your finances like you're not saved. And you start to raise your kids like you're not saved. And you start to handle your marriage like you're not saved. And the reality of it is, is that this, and this is where I want to drive at this, is if, if, if you are not connected to the source, if you're not connected to God, eventually you will start to run down. You will start to run dead. You will start operating, not operating like you're supposed to operate. Eventually you will, just like the razor or the drill or anything else, you will eventually start to live and operate as if you don't even know Christ, right? All right, so if, if, if he says, this is the will of the Lord, that you continually be filled with the Spirit, that you continually be empowered by the Spirit, that you continually always, you're, you're be being filled. It's not complicated. You have to approach the source, always. You have to approach the source. And I feel like sometimes people, they're just like, Jordan's about to drop a bomb that I've never heard before. That's almost never going to happen. All right. It's about to be this new revolutionary idea that's almost never going to happen. But this is the most foundational, yet one of the most important truths about Scripture, where we have to approach the source. He says, this is the will. This is the command. Be filled. Be being filled. Yet we try to live our lives disconnected from the power source, which is God. And see, a lot of times when we think about Christ and we think about what God has done for us, we think about what Christ has accomplished on the cross, we talk about sin and we talk about heaven and we talk about all this stuff. But the reason that he had to die for our sins, the reason that he had to, to, to die so that we could have mercy and grace was so that we could be connected to God. He didn't die for sin's sake. He died to take sins from our lives so that we could be in the presence of our Holy Father. Right? The whole point was that we could have a relationship with God. And not so, and I want you to hear me, and I, and, and I know everybody has different backgrounds and I don't want to offend anybody. He did not die so you could have a relationship with your preacher. I know that you guys thoroughly enjoy that, right? It's your favorite part of Harvest Cove, right? I'm just kidding. But he didn't die so that you could have a relationship with a priest. He didn't die so that you could have a relationship with him through anything or anybody else. He died so that you could have a relationship directly with him. Right? This is the greatest thing that a human being has obtained from the cross a relationship with him in this life and for eternity. Yet, most Christians most of the time, and I want you to hear me, most Christians most of the time approaching the source is simply not a part of your life. Approaching the source, approaching God, approaching his presence, approaching his throne, actively pursuing him, it's just not a part of the average 
Christians walk for the most part, most of the time. For most people, most of the time, the closest that you get to approaching the source is Sunday mornings when you drive to church. And although that is incredibly important, that is not why Christ died. Christ died so that you could approach the source anytime you wanted, anywhere you wanted. I want to show you scripture. To me, it's one of those powerful scriptures in the Bible. It's in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15 through 16. It says this. It says, For we do not have a high priest, this is Jesus, who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. He says, so listen, I want you to understand. We don't have some stuck up, doesn't understand us, doesn't get our weaknesses, doesn't get our struggles, guy high in the sky doing his thing, puppet master. He said that we have in Jesus somebody that fully understands our struggles, fully understands what we've gone through and died for us. And because of that, we can approach God's throne of grace with confidence. He says it different like this, but it's the same point. He says, in him, in Jesus, and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence, Ephesians 3.12. In him, in Jesus, and through faith in him, in Jesus, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. So here's the deal. If you're newer to the faith, I'm about to tell you some things you may not have known. If you've been walking with Christ for a long time and church has been a part of your life, I'm going to tell you some things that you've probably heard 50 times. But if they're not a part of your life, you need to hear it 51 times. All right. What does it mean that through Christ we can approach God with freedom and confidence? It means that we can approach God with freedom and confidence. The more I teach you guys, people start to think, man, I could do his job. <laughs> I could do that. Right? With freedom and confidence. So I just, I just, want, you to under, I just want you to understand this. I try, to, I, am an, I try to be an open. I'm a social guy. I love people. I love being around people. I love hanging out with my friends. I love hanging out. I love seeing people. I try to talk with people as much as I possibly can. And here, here's kind of this, this, this thing that is in my life. I, I, I try to have an open policy as much as I can. If you need to talk with me, I want to meet with you, right? And I love you guys. And, I, and if you want to call me, you're going through something, you just want to hang out and get coffee, I'll do that anytime. I'll, I'll do everything in my power to make time. I want to do that. But here's what you're not invited to do. You're not invited to show up in my house, 10 o'clock, not knock, walk through my front door, go into my bedroom, and hang out on my bed. If you do that, strong possibility you'll get shot before you even make it to the room. You better announce yourself quickly. It's John, don't shoot. I'll be in your bedroom. Right. Listen to me. But there is, there is one or two people in my life that no matter where I'm at, if I'm, if I'm at the office at the church or if I'm in the sanctuary or if I'm at my house or if I'm in my car, there's a few people in my life that they have that right, the freedom and confidence. They can come anytime they want. They can come in. Wherever I am, they can be there. One of them is Courtney and my wife. Right, she's got the freedom and confidence. Anywhere I'm at, she can be there. 
period. She doesn't even have to knock. She can just come in. That's freedom and that's confidence. You don't have that in my life. Just the same way I don't have that in your life. How long would you come to church here if I just periodically popped out of your closet? <laughs> and just was like, hey, I was just hanging out and there. It's kind of dark. You might want to upgrade the lighting system. Do you have a towel? I'm going to take a bath, right? That's not freedom and confidence. We love each other. We can hang out with each other. If you invite me over for dinner um, and, and for some odd reason I spend the night and you invite me to do that and I'm hanging out in the guest bedroom and we're like family, and then that's, that's great. But I still, even at that moment, I don't have the freedom and the confidence, right, that your wife or your husband has with you or your kids have with you or, or like Courtney has with me, like I have with Courtney. But I want you to understand something. This is the freedom and the confidence that we have with the creator of the universe. I want you to think about that. Like, that is the freedom and the confidence that we have. And, and I just want to, I just, if this is the only thing we, we talk about all day, I want you to hear this. That means that, like, if you're riding down the road and you got 15 minutes between A and B, and you want to take that 15 minutes while you're, 15 minutes while you're riding down the road to hang out with the God that created you, with the God that saved you, you can approach God with freedom and confidence right there driving 70 miles an hour down the road or 55, whatever, <laughs> if you go the speed limit. Right, if, if I wake up in, in, in the morning and, I, and, I, lit it and I, I walk out of my bedroom and I, I cross my hall and I go into my guest bedroom and I shut the door behind me and I bow down in that moment, in that room, in that house, on, and I was about to say my address, but I'm not. <laughs> on the road that I live on, in that little, that little home, I can approach the creator of the universe. Right? I come in here Saturday morning. Just, I come in here. I was going to go work out. All right? And they, they changed the, the, the class time from 8 to 8.30 months ago, but I still just keep forgetting. So I arrived in Denver way too early. And I was in my workout clothes. It wasn't even a planned thing. I wasn't planning on it. I just came into this room, this very room we're in, turned the lights off, turned some music on, and I just approached the presence of God. Right? You can approach the presence of God anywhere you want to go. You can take your hour lunch break, spend 15 minutes approaching God anywhere, anytime. You have the freedom and the confidence to do that. Right? Now, to me, that's insanely powerful, right? And this is the thing when he says, be being filled. See, a lot of us, you know this here. See, a lot of this, you guys, you're sitting here and you know this. This isn't something you don't know. My question to you is, if you know it up here, or you've been coming here for three years and you're like, he always seems to preach on this stuff. You know, he always seems to do this. It, why are you not taking advantage of one of the greatest gifts that God has ever given us to approach the creator of the universe. Why is this not a part of your everyday life? We have to learn to approach the source. If you are ever going to live your life in such a way that you are continually being filled with the spirit of God, you have to come to a place in your life, in your walk with God, where you understand that it is not in your realm of ability to fill yourself with the Spirit, but it is in your realm of ability, not because you earned it, not because you deserved it, but because of what Christ did. It is in your realm of ability to approach God anywhere, anytime, with absolute maximum freedom and confidence. If you don't, it's simply because 
you're choosing something else over that. Period. Period. So real fast, I just wanna I just wanna share three basic ways, the three most simplistic ways to approach God. Number one, communicating with God. Communicating with God. Uh, this is what we call prayer. Communicating with God. Not like sitting around the dinner family, sitting around the dinner table, and you pray for your food. It's not like this is communicating with God in the same way that you communicate with your friends. It's not mystical. It's not magical. It's not out of this world. It's not, it is simply the way that God designed it to be. He designed it to be that we would communicate with him in the same way that we communicate with others, no matter what. And this is just one scripture out of a thousand. It says, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests with this in mind. Be alert and always keep on praying for the Lord's people. Over and over and over again, from Genesis to Revelation, God says, dude, pray, communicate with me, come after me. Why does it say the most famous prayer scripture of all time? Humble yourself before me and pray, and then I will hear you, and then I will come and heal your land, right? Everything, everything has always been communicate with me, come to me, bring it to me. Over and over and over again, Jesus says, ask and you shall receive, bring it to me, come to me. Paul, Peter, all of them, they command, come to God in communication, pray to him, let this be a part of your life. Let this be, Jesus didn't say if you pray, he said when you pray, pray like this. This is an expectation, it is a desire. You may never have thought about it like this. It is a desire, it is a desire of God that you communicate with him on a daily basis. He wants to be your provider and he is waiting on you to come to him as the provider. James says, you have not because you ask not. He, Jesus even tells this analogy. It's one of my favorite analogies in the whole world. He says, even if you're asking for something that I don't necessarily want to give you, because he, he does this parable, and he says, like the nagging woman that continually comes to the judge over and over, and finally the judge just says, okay, just take it. That's an analogy that he uses in our prayer life, in our communication. He said, even if, even if it's not something, if you just, I'll, I'll listen, I'll hear, I'll hear you. He says, no matter where you are in life, communicate with me. Now, this is what I hear all the time. And I, I just want to share this with you. This is something that's been big in my heart over the last few weeks. So I want to share with you. All the time I hear this is, yeah, I believe in prayer. Yeah, I believe I can do that. And yes, that's a desire of mine. And yeah, I want to do that. But, you know, I just feel like I'm in a season of my life right now where I'm, I'm, I'm struggling with some sin. You know, I'm, I'm just not, I'm not living perfectly right now and I just feel like God's not gonna hear me or I feel like I just can't do that because I'm struggling with this because I, I'm, I'm struggling with this addiction or I've got this going on or I've, you know, I've been yelling at my wife a lot or we've been fighting a lot and I just don't feel paranoid. Shut your mouth. Okay, you're a human being. Christ defeated sin on the cross. All right, I want you to understand this. In the Garden of Eden, at the beginning of sin, where they blatantly disobeyed God in paradise. What was their response and what was God's response? Their response was to run and hide from God. God's response was to come down out of heaven, find them in their sin, and fix it. All right? God wants you to come to him, whether you are living righteously or you are struggling with sin. There is nothing in this world, nothing, that will prevent you or can prevent you from communicating with the God that created you, nothing. 
You need to get to a place in your life where you understand God wants you to come to him with your sin. This has been something that's been paramount for me. Just the other day, I was t- we were talking with some guys we going through a study um, about the, the parable of the law of the prodigal son. And, and coming back, we were just talking about this. And one of the things that just hit me so hard out of this book, so hard out of this study, was that there is a, there is a powerful uh, thing that when you can get to a place in your life where you sin, the first thing you want to do is come to God your father. It's a new realm. It's a deeper level. You don't want to run from him. You don't want to run away. You don't want to let it. You, as soon as you sin, as soon as you mess up, as soon as you're in that, you want to come to God and nobody else because you know despite your sin, he is still your father and he's the one that died for you and he wants to forgive you and have mercy on you and empower you. He's the source of everything. So don't let that be an excuse in your life. You have to communicate with God. Number two, really quickly, you have to study his inspired scriptures. Now, I know this, and and this is what I hear all the time. I I know about praying and reading the Bible, but what else? There's nothing else. (laughs) Yeah, I get that. I know, pray, I pray, and I read the Bible. Dude, study. Here's the thing is, most of you don't, right? You say that with your words, but true daily prayer, communication with God is not a part of most of our lives. True study and, and, and meditation of his word. That's not really a part of our lives. It's everything we can do to fit in a five-minute devotional. Right? He says this about scriptures. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness so that, every, or so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. I'm going to make this statement, and you're not going to like it, but write it down anyway. You will never, under any circumstances, be a truly effective believer who walks and lives in the power of God without consistent, constant prayer and the studying of his word. You may be successful in your realm of business. Uh, You may be confident. You may have the image of success. You may have the image of religion. You may, you may be good in all areas. You may be a great person. You may be charitable. You may give. You may do a lot. You may come to church on a regular basis. But when it comes to truly being effective as a believer and walking in the power of God, you will never experience those things without prayer and his word as a part of your life. And if you don't believe me, I'm going to prove it next week. So I'll give you a challenge. Study all week long all right, the Bible, on why you don't need the Bible in your life to be an effective Christian and then come armed and ready next week. Did you guys get that? All right. Number three, just real fast as we roll through this, meeting in the name of Christ. All right, this is what we call church. This is what this is right now. We're meeting together in the name of Christ. This is a huge deal to meet together in the name of Christ. This is our life groups. When you get together throughout the week to meet together with people and you just and you study the Bible together and you fellowship together in the name of Christ. This is the, the student ministry that we get together on Wednesday night and, and, we, and we go through that uh, uh, the transition with the kids and everything. We did all of that so that we could create atmospheres where people could come together and meet in the name of Christ as teenagers, come together as kids. That's where the women come together on Wednesday nights and, and they meet together in the name of Christ to study scriptures together and, and, and fellowship and hang out. And the men do the same thing. Anytime you meet together, period, with another believer, you're me, in the name of Christ, Jesus says, I promise you that I'll be there. He says, I promise. If you, anytime one or two are gathered together in my name, I'll be there amongst you. 
So here's what I want to, I want to get to this point right here. In order to be connected to the source, you have to approach the source. God says, I want you to live a life where you are continually being filled. And I want you to hear me. I want you to hear me. You can build great lives in this world without God. All right? We can build great churches in this life without God. You can do a lot of awesome things without God. But I promise you, you cannot walk in the fullness of life and the power that is God without continually approaching the source. And so this is what I, I want to say, and then we're, we're going to close with the primary point of today. In order for this to be a thing in your life, for real, you have to make approaching the source a priority, a top, the top priority in your schedule. All right. You have to make approaching the source the top priority in your schedule. See, where we are, and, I, and I, this is something for me, and I'm just going to take just a few minutes, and I want to show you that this is something that Jesus has done. But before I do that, I, a few months ago, I guess it's been about six months ago. Now, I was having a conversation with a guy, and we were t- he just felt uh, just laid on his heart. This guy from out of town, he's not even from here. To lay in his heart, he was coming through Charlotte, wanted to meet together, and he was talking about some mistakes that he made early on in the lives of his children. I just had Aubrey, um, and he just felt the need to share this with me. And it was one of those moments where you don't really see it coming, and I don't even know that, that, that the point that he wanted to meet with me was what actually happened, but God used that moment in my life to change my viewpoint on, on life in general in, in an amazing way. Uh, and, and this guy started talking about his life, and he was a very, he's a very successful businessman, and, and he was talking about early on in his child's life, he said he just wasn't there, period. Um, and he was just talking about that. And then a few months later, I went to this, uh, this orange conference with some of our staff and, and, and volunteers, um, and there was this the idea of phases, phases in life and kids' life. And, and the whole theme of it was it's a phase, so don't miss it. Um, and they, the first phase they did was little babies, and I just had Aubrey, and I was like bawling like a baby. And I was just like, I'm going to miss her life. I'm going to miss it. It's going to go by so fast. And I hate this life. And this, everything's horrible. And I was just having this, this moment. And I just realized, man, that you know, life is a phase. And, and, and we can't miss it. And, you know, and it was just so powerful. And I'm, it's something that's been in my life. But this was through a couple of those things, the Lord really began to change the way that I viewed time, viewed my life, viewed my schedule. And this is, this is one of the things that, uh, that, that he was just really... Uh, putting on my heart was that a lot of times uh, when a lot of times when I go out to plan my schedule or I go out to plan my day or I go out to plan my week or my month or my year all of it and most of us do this it's, it's based off what it's based off the things that we have to get done right it's based off the things that we have to get up, the things that we have to do. We gotta show up to work and we have to get this project done and we gotta go to the store and we've gotta do this. And this is a lot of times that's kind of how our life, whether you're organized at it or not, that's kind of how our life is. I mean, we, we operate based off the things that we have to get done, based off the things that we have to do, based off the things that we wanna do. I mean, this was the thing that, that, that God really began to change in my heart and my life as I started to think about this and think about primarily Aubrey. It was this. God said, I felt like I put my heart, you need to stop focusing on what you want to do and on what needs to be done 
and on what needs to be accomplished and start focusing on who you want to be. And, and there's a big, ginormous difference between those two things. Because if you, if you focus on what needs to be done, well, there's always going to be things that need to be done, right? You're always going to have uh, papers. You're always going to have tests. You're always going to have projects. You're going to have deadlines. You're always going to have to do the basics. You're always going to have to do these things. But if you stopped and you started, you changed, you had a paradigm shift in your life. You started changing the way that you perceive things and you started to focus solely on who you really wanted to be. For instance, I really wanted to be and want to be a good father. Right, that's one of the things that, that just hit me very hard as of the last six months. I genuinely want to be a good father. So in order for me to be a good father, one of the things I have to do, I have to spend time with my baby girl. So I have to schedule that into my life, right? As much as I love you guys and as much as I love this church, uh, guess who takes priority in my life? My little fat, happy little girl. So this was a decision for me. I wanted, I want to be a good father. And so I start to plan my life. I protect my afternoons and I I do different things. Some things as I start to plan out my schedule, I think I want to be a good pastor and I want to be a good preacher and a good teacher. This is something I want to be. I want to be good at this. And so I have to protect that time and protect that. So this is what my point is, is that... If you get to a place to where you're continually trying to accomplish all the things that need to get done, you'll never do it because there's always something to be done. But if you start to think about who you want to be and make that decision in your heart and in your life who you want to be, you will plan and change and think about things totally different. So you have to come to a place in your life where you have to decide, do you actually want to be a follower of Christ who is truly effective and powerful in the way that you live? Do you truly want to be a committed, not a churchgoer, not religious, do you truly want to be a powerful and effective Christian? And if that's something that you really want to be, you have to make approaching the source a priority in your life. And I just want to take just a second, I want to show you this is something that Jesus has done. This is just one little scripture. We can see this. This is in Luke, not Ephesians. It says, he went to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue as was his custom. Custom is just a, it's a stabilized behavior based off habit, right? This was something, as Luke goes through and he's interviewing all these people and he's writing and he's doing this historical thing on, on Christ. He's interviewing all the people that knew Christ. And, they, and over and over and over again, they said, listen, this guy, every, every Sabbath, our Sunday, he comes in. And he goes to the church, but he goes to church. It's just a custom. It's just a part of what it was. This was a priority in his life. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. All right? Jesus, as he interviewed everybody, they said, yeah, he often withdrew. Right? He, he just left the people. He left the crowds. He went to a lonely place. He went to get alone with God. This was a priority in his life. Each day Jesus was teaching at the temple and each evening he went out to spend the night on the hill called the Mount of Olives and all the people came early in the morning to hear him at the temple. Now you gotta kind of read through this but I want you to understand this was something they did every night. This was something that was custom. All the people knew where he was gonna be. All the people knew that he left the town and he went out to the mountain every night to be with God by himself. I mean, this was just a part of his life. This was a part of his schedule, genuinely. I know this isn't deeply spiritual schedules and stuff but I want you to understand that this was a priority in Jesus Christ, the son of the living God's life. 
yet it's not a priority in our life, is my, is my point here. Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives and his disciples followed him. Next one. Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. Okay. So I want you to, I want you to understand this. I hear people all the time, I want a better marriage. I want to be more. I want to live more holier. I want to get this out of my life. Or I want, I want, to, be, I want to know what my true purpose is. I want to know what my calling is. I want, I want to be gifted. I want to be able to excel in this area that I know that God has called me to do. I want to be effective. I want to do, I, I hear people, we say this all the time. We want to do this and we want to grow and we want, but I'm going to tell you right now, if I'm one of your only sources of the word of God every week, you are far behind. Because what I hear people saying is, is I want all these things, but I don't want to do it by going to God. Because there's a lot of preachers and people in ministry, I know that the only time that they ever open up the book is simply to preach. Prayer is just simply not a part of their life. Communicating with God is just not a part of their life. Opening up the word of God is just not a part of their life. It's because they have not and we have not and you have not decided in your heart and in your mind that you actually want to be a strong, effective believer in Christ. You want to be a churchgoer and you want to be religious and you want to be successful in your business and you want to do a whole bunch of other things and you want to go on vacation and you've got all these other priorities. You've got all of these things in your life, but you have to come to a place in your life where you stop worrying about the things that have to be done and you start focusing on who you really want to be. And that means that you really have to look at and answer this question in your heart and in your life is do you actually want to be? a strong believer in Jesus Christ? Do you actually want to be whatever it is that Christ has called you to be? Do you actually want to do that? Because until you can come to that place in your life where you can actually say beyond the shadow of a doubt, above all things, I want to be a faithful, humble servant of the living God. I want to be empowered by the Spirit of God. I want to continually be filled by the Spirit of God. I want God to uh, run loose in my life. I want God to lay waste to all the things that don't need to be in my life. I want my marriage to be truly at the feet of a living God. I want my kids to be laced truly at the feet of a living God. I want my career. I want my job. I want my finances. I want everything laid at the feet of Jesus Christ. I don't want to be in control of anything. I want God to be in control of everything. I don't want anything in my life that God doesn't want in my life. And I am finally willing to surrender and lay down everything and make approaching God a top priority in my life. I'm going to make a statement. You can get mad at me all day long. Until that becomes a reality in your life, you will never experience the fullness of life and the power of God, period. Period. God's not withholding anything from you. He's just waiting on you to come and get what he already said is yours, right? If you get hungry, you go to the store, you get some food, right? If you want more of God, you go to God and you get everything that he wants to give you, everything. And I'm going to tell you this right now. If just a few of us, just a few of us, could really just look into our heart and look into our life and answer the questions truly. Do I want more 
of Christ? Do I want more of God? Do I want to continually be filled? Do I want truly to experience the fullness of life and the power of God? Do I really want to walk in that? Just in your heart and your life. And if the answer is no, you have to ask yourself why. Why? Why wouldn't you if everything that we've been talking about is available to you? Why wouldn't you go after it with everything you are? Why wouldn't it be a top priority in your life? If the only thing you have to do is schedule in time during the day to approach the source and you don't, there's something deeply spiritual going on in your heart that you have to figure out why. Why don't you want to approach the God that created you and the God that saved you? So I want to close with this statement. And I want you to be able to, everybody in the room, to be able to answer this in your heart and in your mind. And if you need to come up here and pray, please come and pray. If you need to stay in your seat and pray, do that. But I want everybody, as we worship here in the next few minutes, everybody to answer this question. Ultimately, who do you want to be truly? Truly, who do you want to be? Because we'll pop off, I want to be a good father. We'll pop off, I want to do this, I want to do that. But the reality of it is, is you want to be rich, right? You want to be known. You want to be famous. You want to be in control. You want to have power. You want to be in the in crowd. You want to know, right? You want comfort, right? But I want you to really think, who do you want to be the most, truthfully? And if who you want to be the most is not connected to the God that created you and saved you, then you have to know in your heart and your mind, if you never admit it to anybody, you have to admit it to yourself, there's a deeply spiritual problem going on inside. Because God said everything, the fullness of life and the power of God is available to you. All you have to do is approach me because through Christ you have the freedom and the confidence. So why aren't you? And it comes back because that, at the end of the day, that's not really who you want to be the most. Does that make sense? So I just want to spend a few minutes as we worship, genuinely pray, genuinely ask God to reveal himself in your heart and in your life. Because I think that some of you will find that it may have been an extremely long time since you felt the presence of God. An extremely long time since you've been connected to Christ in any real way. An extremely long time since you had a word from the Lord. An extremely long time since you were truly connected to the source. And if you find yourself there this morning, I promise you, all you have to do is approach him right here, right now, up front, in your chair. It doesn't matter. If you guys will stand with me. God, I pray, Lord, right now that you would just let your spirit and your presence rest in this house, God. Father, I pray, Lord, as we, we stand here this, this morning before you, Father, I pray, God, right now that you will just convict our hearts, God. Just let your spirit just run to the deepest part of who we are, the deepest part of our heart, the deepest part of our mind, God, and let us ask this question with honesty. Who do I really want to be? Who do I really want to be? 
I pray, Lord, that you would just let your spirit make it so clear and so known that the fullness of life and the power of God, it's already ours through Christ. And all we have to do to live a life where we are continually being filled with the Spirit is simply approach you. Just approach you through prayer. Approach you through the Word of God. Approach you through meeting in your name. Just to approach the source. Just to approach your presence, God. I pray, Lord, right now that you will let your Spirit call your people to approach you, Father. I pray, Lord, right now that we will be a church filled with people that make approaching you a top priority in their life. That they schedule their day around approaching you. That they schedule their week around approaching you. That church doesn't become a coin toss every Sunday, but that it is a priority in their life to be there and to worship you and to be filled with your spirit and to hear your word taught and hear your word preached, God. I pray, Lord God, let them, it's in, it's in our realm of possibility to approach you with complete freedom and confidence anytime we want. I pray, Lord God, right now that that becomes a part of this church's life that we aren't just another church around the corner, that we're not just, just doing things to do them, Father, but that we are truly in every way, shape, and form approaching you, Father. Experience that amazing love of Christ, experiencing the fullness of life and the power of God. I pray, Lord, that you will truly convict our hearts, God. You will truly humble us before you, Father. I pray in your power and in your strength, God, that you, if you have to break us on the rocks of life to get us to desire you and get us to come after you, God, that you will do that. I pray, Father, no matter what you have to do to reveal yourself to us, God, if you have to break us open, God, if you have to put us in a season of brokenness, God, if you have to take things away, God, I pray. God, that you will take them from us. God, I pray that you will take every ounce of our life away until we are left knowing deeply that we need you in every way, shape, and form. I pray, Father, don't let comfort, don't let wealth, don't let fame, don't let the in crowd, don't let anything pull us away from you, God. I pray, Father, for my life and every person in this room Whatever that thing is that stands in the way of wanting you the most, destroy it in their life, God. Strip that from them, Father. I pray, Lord, that you will cleanse us fully and completely. Let us know that we can approach you anytime, anywhere, with complete freedom and confidence. You're holy, God.